Hey, Larissa here, and welcome to another episode of the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Now, did you know that today is actually our 300th episode? Like, what? Feels like just yesterday was my first episode, and last year we celebrated our 200th episode. Clearly not. And I wonder how many episodes have you listened to? So each week for the last six years now, I have created or interviewed over 200 guest experts from all over the world, talking about the highs and the lows of business and salon ownership and everything that comes with it. I do love being able to share salon tidbits, wisdom and knowledge with all of you. Funny fact is actually how a lot of our Salon Mastery owners come into our world and find Salon Owners Collective by finding us first through this podcast. So I wanted to thank you for joining me each week. I know some of you drive to work, walk the dog, do the dishes and tune in every single week. And I love that. Makes it all worthwhile. Anyway, let's uh, dive into this week's episode because I know that often you feel like you're working yourself to the bone, busier than ever with clients, plus managing an ever-evolving and changing team, especially right now. You're hardly present with your family as work takes over your brain space. Hey, been there, but what makes it worse, you're not growing. If the business is not growing, well, the problem is we end up saying yes all of the time, like to a team member and she needs our help with something. We jump at the chance because we don't want to let them down or lose them. Or when a regular client wants to book with you and they're meant to be working on the business, not in it, and you give in because you feel bad, you want to please. Or maybe you're just guilty of having shiny object syndrome. If you're nodding your head right now, I have been guilty of this too. I see you. (laughs) But unfortunately, it's a bit of a mistake because in reality, these shiny objects or distracting requirements are often the things that halt us from forward momentum in our business. As a result, we're in this cycle of two steps forward, two steps back, and your business kind of stays in this plateau. Two years we grow, and two years we regress. Two years we grow, and it's super frustrating because you're still busy doing all of the things. And so you start to wonder, like, why am I not growing? This is what causes overwhelm. It causes burnout, which, of course, leads to halting the process even more. It becomes this vicious cycle. So in today's episode, I'm going to take you through my secret formula because I've been here, done this and come out the other side, of course, going through it again in my next business. So I want to share the secret formula to increasing sales by working less. Now, this is for smart salon CEOs. So if you're overworking 30, 40 or plus, some of you are working 50 hours on the salon floor and you want to create what I call CEO discipline and have the time to move the needle in your business and truly become a smart CEO, a CEO that's chasing freedom and profit. You can achieve both. So if that's you, I want you to keep listening. Plus, I want to invite you to grab yourself a copy of the four steps to becoming a smart salon CEO. It's a strategy guide. It's in the show notes of this episode, and I'm going to be walking you through the strategy step by step. So I invite you to join me. Maybe stop, pause, get the guide now, Get a a pen, a nice little nook in the corner, stop the car, uh, and let's do this. Hey, salon owners, uh, Larissa here. Um, Super excited to be joining you today. This is one of my favorite topics, um, how to increase sales 
always good, always valuable, um, and how to do it by working less. That's kind of like the magic. So I was a salon owner, just like you, for 20 years I had my salon. Um, we were a multi-million dollar salon. I had a team of 30 awesome women that worked with me, um, not without its challenges, I have to say. Um, and I really came from a place of being overworked, overwhelmed, and at times in my business, especially in the early days, um, earning less than my team members. Um, so, hey, if you are joining me live, super pleased to have you here. But for me, the goal was to reach this point of what I call freedom and profit. And what I observed in the world is a lot of people worked really hard, worked really long hours, um, and still didn't have any money to show for it. And I observed that first in myself. Um, I was working hard. I was the most working on the floor. I was earning the most in sales revenue from the clients that I was serving. And the team were at the back. And in the early days, I would have to... A client would come in and I'd be doing their hair and I would have to shout out the back. I know, we, we shouted in those days and call the team from the back who were smoking out the back. Those days you could smoke inside, God forbid. Um, and I thought, this is this is wrong. This is not, I'm, I'm earning less than you guys and I'm doing all the work. And uh, over time and with a lot of help, I managed to work 15 hours a week in the business and have a multi-six-figure profit from my business. So I kind of have made it my life mission to do the same and help owners like you do the same. So today I really want to talk about how do we increase sales by working less because it's a little bit kind of a counterintuitive uh, strategy to try and achieve, but I actually think that the, there's magic in the less. And I'm going to talk to you about that today because I've noticed most people are overworking, underpaid, and uh, the solution might not necessarily be um, what you think it is. So like uh, like anything, I like to help people get shit done and I want to help you as deeply as possible. So I have a bit of a worksheet. Now, I ran this session in my Seller Mastery program. Every two months, we run a two-day intensive and in that session, we run, we ran basically the session. Uh, we went a little, we spent uh, 90 minutes on it. I don't have quite that long with you today. So I'm going to give you um, a few of the snippets and the core principles so you can really uh, dive in and get to think about that. So, should we go? Should we get started? One of the things that I observe and actually experience myself, even now today running this business, is the list of things to do as the business owner is always way bigger than the time you actually have available to work uh, in and on the business or to have a life, right? The list is a mile long. Thank you, Sandra. I appreciate you. Um, the list is a mile long. Um, everybody is demanding things from you. You're the business owner, so they're demanding from you. And Probably, if you're anything like I was, fully booked back-to-back -back with clients. And so we're almost a little bit hopeful that a client cancels so we can do the urgent list, right? Um, put an ad in the paper for a new recruit, call back the accountant, uh, negotiate your list, post on social media for a change. Um, but the client turns up and then she's late and it's a head wreck. And as a result, 
your time is full, your brain is full, and then there's no time for the things that will really move the needle in your business. Now, if you're anything like me, I was I was booked five months in advance. And if only the team were that busy, like they were out the back for a time before I worked out how to, how to deal with that. Um, and so I was in this constant state of rushing and never quite getting to the big important things that I knew that if only I had time to do that, um, I'd be able to smash my business goals, right? So this feeling of like always waiting that isn't there, there's never enough time. And when I have enough time, I will. Have you ever felt like that? Like when when I get enough time, I need to do the thing. I'm going to do the thing when I have the time. So um, uh, the problem is the time never comes. So instead, we need to realize that enough time doesn't arrive. We have to create the time, force it into our lives almost, make it happen. And it's the CEO time that drives the business forward and we stopped doing the busy work. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. The other challenge that I see or felt uh, fell victim to, and I know, I see you, creative entrepreneur, because I am you, shiny object syndrome, or awesome ideas. Now, I don't know about you, I, fo- I follow a bunch of great people on social media, and I see them doing great stuff, and I think that is amazing, I need to do that too, and we say yes to exciting stuff, because being a business is exciting, well, it should be exciting, um, and we have this huge light bulb moment and we think this is the thing that's going to take all my pain away and change everything, the million-dollar idea. Um, and it, yes, may well be. Yes, Karen, I see you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it, it may well be the million-dollar idea, but if only we had the time or uh, the foresight to be able to implement that thing properly, right? And it takes us away from doing the fundamental things that actually, if we did them for long enough, might actually work. So you know the things, you've tried them once or twice, and then you wonder, oh, I used to do that thing once upon a time. Whatever happened to that? And as a result, our time is full, our brain is full, nothing really sticks. So instead, We need to really focus on or understand what stage and phase of business that we're in. How long have we been in business? How many do we have in our team? What is our income? What is your current role in the business? Um, Are you still in early stage business or in late stage business? What systems and processes do we have in place? Uh, And what are we yet to nail? The other challenge as a business owner is that we're at the top of the food chain. And so naturally, everybody wants our attention. We're putting out fires. Uh, our team are asking us permission. We're making decisions left, right, and centre. And look, I mean, look, they're just checking in to make sure they're getting things right. They're asking the questions, and we start to suffer decision fatigue. Like this is actually a thing; it has a name, decision fatigue. And if you're anything like me, we're people pleasers. We want to help, and we want to help our team succeed. So I remember a time actually when I realized that I loved the attention and the importance of constantly being needed, but it did mean that I was constantly dealing with interruptions and fire, putting out fires all the time. Um, yes, exactly, Karen. Um, but the constant hat switching actually is a head wreck and it leaves us reeling, head spinning, and leaves us unfortunately, on the mouse wheel. So what we need to think about is prioritizing our agenda, our CEO agenda, not other people's agendas. Um, Otherwise, fireballs come flying at us uh, in no particular order and it creates chaos. So instead, we need to create some focus and working on the right things at the right time at the different stages and phases of business. Otherwise, 
uh, Karen, <laughs> we end up staying in the weeds, right, in a dark, deep hole. And I say a dark, deep hole because you can't see in a dark, deep hole. And in, in the weeds, we have no visibility over what needs to happen in our business. And it actually stops us from making the right decision. And we grab the next decision next to us rather than necessarily the right decision. doesn't mean it's the next decision is the right decision. This is the track that we end up in that takes us two steps forward and two steps back. Nothing ever changing. I was speaking to a salon owner just last week and we were on a call together and she said, I'm in a two-year cycle. And every two years I grow up the team and then the team leave and I'm back to the back again and I'm up and then I'm down and I've recognized I'm in my third two-year cycle and I don't know about you but most of the time as a business owner I'm desperate for forward momentum as a sign that I'm doing the right things that business is going to be successful and that we have progression because when we're in momentum that feeling that's what makes us feel alive and business is exciting and um, we can love be in love with our business Momentum is a self-perpetuating formula. Momentum drives momentum. Hey, I just wanted to pop in to tell you something. Don't worry, we're going to get back to this awesome episode in just a second. Now, if this sounds like you, listen up. You have a team. You love your team. But you're sick of wondering why and wishing your team would make their sales targets. You want them to be smashing sales because it shows that they're actually looking after their clients really well. Like imagine if you could have a way to make more from the clients that you already have, increase sales without spending more on advertising. Well, it's totally possible and I want to help you. And I want to help you do it with ease, in a classy way. No hard and dirty sales tricks here. Ways to serve your clients, make more, because everybody wins. The team, the client, and of course, you, the business owner. Now, if you want to find out more, just DM me uh, and let's chat. I'll make a plan for you. I'm also going to leave a link for you on the show notes of this episode. All right, let's get back to the episode. Otherwise, we stay feeling overwhelmed because I remember time. I remember a time feeling trapped inside of my business. I felt like I had this ball and chain around my ankles, totally overwhelming, like I could never get out. I wanted to sell mostly so I could get out because I was trapped. Um, and it meant that I didn't necessarily trust myself in business. But if you're anything like me, all you want really is a little bit of freedom and profit. Um, and when I say freedom, I mean like just some freedom to make things happen, to have a life outside of the slog, to spend more time with loved ones or just breathe, have a little bit of downtime still for a moment. And I remember a time feeling like I was behind my business, constantly doggy paddling to catch up. And when I say profit, like profit isn't a bad thing. It's an exciting thing. And it should be something that we are aiming for because it gives us choice, choice to live a better life, choice to help others. Um, and it gives us the security to employ people, do you know, uh, and be here tomorrow. So um, I want to talk you through the four things that smart salon CEOs do so they can drive sales up and actually work less than you're working now probably. So I want to make sure, guys, that you have um, the uh, activity sheet. This is the worksheet directly out of my Salon Mastery two-day intensive. So I want to make sure that you have it. Let me grab it for you. Um, I'm just going to put the link here. And I'll send it directly to you in Messenger, and then you can have it come along with me because I'm going to take you through those four things now. Grab a pen, come along the ride, and let's go. All right, do you want to know number one? 
what the number one thing is. The first thing is understanding what are big rocks. Um, these are the four things so you can increase sales by working less, live, live a little bit, of, have a little bit of freedom and profit. So big rocks. Let's talk about big rocks. I want to start with the story, actually. Um, there's a famous story. Uh, so this is not my story. <laughs> this is a famous story. There was a professor at um, a reputable uh, university, and they, he did a study. And he gave all of his students uh, a jar, and he gave them a tray of sand, uh, some pebbles, a bunch of rocks, and a beaker of water. And he said, there's a prize to the person who can get all of this inside of the jar. So I want you to put the sand and the pebbles and the rocks and the water inside of the jar. And, of course, um, they all gave it a go. And nobody could get all the stuff to fit in the jar, just like the picture I've got on the screen here. So before I tell you the answer to how you get all the stuff in the jar, I want to kind of tell you how does this relate to a salon. Well, um, the sand is what I think of kind of like daily, can I say this, daily shit that comes up, right? It's the daily operational stuff. Uh, it's the net bites. It's the other people's demands. It's the checklists. It's the appointments, confirmation calls, social media, laundry, stuff that people come and ask you to do. It's the net bites. It's the little things call back Mary Smith. Uh, on our list that's that's the sand you you could do it in five minutes you could do it in a day pebbles represent what i would typically say is kind of like the management stuff sometimes i call these babies because if you don't do these uh, if you don't feed the baby the baby will cry and it's really hard to reset all the baby so if you don't do the pebbles <laughs> shit will hit the fan so things like uh stop ordering daily promotions uh having people have a shift on reception um, managing holiday requests, team meetings, all of those things that need to happen on routine um, and things that kind of on a weekly and a monthly cycle. Now, the big rocks, these are the big things. Often they're new strategies or these are the big strategies that drive the business forward. They don't, you can't do them in a day. You can't do them in a week. These are the big new things that you need to implement, the stuff that moves the needle. So employing a new team member, uh, a new marketing and website traffic campaign that's going to attract new clients, maybe implementing a do I get a pay rise uh, career pathway for your team member, implementing new strategies, putting some new this is how we do it here system, sales workshops for your teams, um, working on your business, coming to, you know, getting involved in workshop, going to workshops, getting coaching. Um, learning the stuff, CEO dash strategically planning your business. This is the big stuff. The stuff that you know will move the needle in your business. And um, it's really easy to not have time for the big rocks because it's hard to find a big chunk of time when we're busy trying to put out fires, if you will, right? So how do we do this? How did the professor put all the things into the jar? Well, first of all, you have to put the big rocks in first. The, put the big rocks in first. They take the most space. But funnily enough, you get the big rocks in the jar and the pebbles fit in around it because there's space that the rocks leave and you can fit the pebbles in and then the pebbles you can fit the sand in and around the big rocks and the pebbles and finally the water trickles in between all of the other things does that make sense hey joanne nice to see you can you give me a thumbs up like does that make sense um and it's the same in our business we get trapped doing the little things the emergencies and we don't 
make time for the for the big things in our business that are really going to move the needle and solve in the long term uh, the strategies like growing the business. Um, we can fit in all the things, but we can't fit them all at once. So we have to think about uh, how we do that. Big rocks first, otherwise there will never never be. A, time available for the things that move the needle so we have to prioritize how thank you sandra good thumbs up um we have to prioritize how we go about this so i want to know what's clicking for you what's making sense can you let me know like what is this triggered in your mind what what is trapping you inside of your business right now let me know in the comments because i'd love to know this is uh you know you're not alone in this at all all right so it doesn't matter what's happening. The list is always going to be bigger than the time you have available. So we need to have a strategy or be a little bit intentional about making space for the big things. And as a result, um, you know, we need to, as a result, this is what will move the needle. So big strategies like recruitment, sales growth, attracting new clients, retaining team members, paying them more, but hey, without going broke or feeling resentful. Um, team career pathways and profitability there will always those things will always be waiting until there's enough time so we need to create the time for the big rock so I want you to understand that kind of concept of the big strategies all right let's talk about the next one which is stages and phases this is a really important one because um, if we know how to prioritize the big needle moving things in our business then we have to make sure that we're working on the right big things so stages and phases is um, this idea that I want to introduce you to about uh, where you're at in your business growth on the way to becoming a million-dollar salon. And the problem that we often get strapped by or get confused by what we should be working on is not actually often a lack of ideas. Uh, it's actually an overwhelming flow of great ideas. Is that you? Some people lack the ideas, but some people have too many ideas. I was in the too many ideas box and it actually often would get me into strife because I would try to put all of the things in place and I would watch others, especially now with social media. You can watch other people doing amazing things and they, on the surface, look amazing and you look at them and say, hey, they've got a big business. I want to have a big business. I'll do what they're doing. We get excited about cool ideas that we have and we want to do that. And I call this shiny object syndromes oh Karen's a complete overthinker yeah for sure have following stages and phases is going to help you unpack the overthinking and have clarity um, because we have to pay attention to what stage of business we're in right now and assess the strategies that we should be doing now and what ones can we do later when we get a little bit bigger and often we're in strife because we've done things in the wrong order. It's not that the strategy was wrong or that the strategy doesn't work. It's just that you've done that strategy out of order and you've done something out. You haven't done something before it or you haven't waited long enough for it to get uh, for your business to be ready to actually handle that strategy. So once we know what stage or phase of business we're in, then we can progress forward and do the right things at the right time and focus on the right things at the right stage of business. So all we need to know is what stage and phase you're in. So I thought I might share that with you and take you through that just very quickly. It gives us permission to move forward 
sometimes it gives us confidence that we're doing the right thing, but it also gives us permission to go back and backfill some of the gaps in our strategy. Because if we don't backfill the gaps and we get to the next stage of business and we haven't done the foundations in the original stage, stage it's like building uh, it's like building a hotel and we haven't built deep foundations into the ground where, um, I was going to say the servants, I've been watching uh, too many old-fashioned meetings, um, where, you know, the kitchen staff work. You can't run a hotel and especially run a penthouse if you haven't got the people working in the laundry and cooking the food. So we need to make sure we have solid foundations. So, um, yes, exactly, Karen. So I want to just step you through the different stages and phases, and I want you to think about where you're at. I'd love to know. Tell me where you think you are and what resonates with you. So I want to start with um, the operator phase. Now, as an operator, first you might just start out on your own. It's just you, yourself, and I. But at some point you're going to build a team. And in the two to four team members, um, I would call that you the operator phase. Now, you know you're in the operator phase because you're primarily on the floor, the one doing, if you were like me, doing the most clients um, and making the most money. Um, but you're starting to build a team. And when we build a business around ourselves, our own clientele, it's easy. People love us, refer us, and send their clients. But as we start to build a team, clients don't want to come to the team. They want to come to you, and this is a problem. So we need to learn how to attract clients into our business um, that are going to come to the brand, not to you. Otherwise, you become the bottleneck in your business. So um, we, need to be, we need to be able to have a visibility and client attraction strategy. We need to be able to get our team to be able to deliver a 10 out of 10 service just like we can. Um, and we need to increase the average dollar spend because if we don't, what happens is the team are performing below par. We're fully booked on the floor, serving our clients booked five months in advance, and our team are doing half the work that we're doing and they're not retaining the clients. In my opinion, I think this is the hardest phase of business to be in because you're trying to serve clients and you're trying to grow a team. Super hard. Now, if you can get past this stage and you can really establish a winning culture with your team, show them how to uh, upgrade clients, how to serve clients, how to rebook clients and retain clients, then if you're smart enough to get there, you, you step into the manager's phase, which is kind of the four to eight team members uh, phase. Now, in this phase, we want to make sure that we're not drowning in management problems and overwhelmed by, yes, un unappreciative and inconsistent team members. So this is the stage that we really need to focus on our team management strategies, fill up our tool belt of team management strategies, financial systems, um, processes, career pathways for our team members so they can grow and progress. And as they look into their future, they see you at the center. You are the pathway to their future. Um, so we need to be able to future-proof our team because otherwise we're in this two steps forward, two steps back, two steps forward, two steps back cycle, and we never get out of the manager's phase. We're roadblocked by our inability to manage humans. So if we can if we can nail managing the humans, we can attract clients to the brand and we can manage the humans, then we'll probably step into the eight team members plus. I call this the CEO phase. And in the CEO phase, so we don't, uh, many owners that come to me in, sell, in my Seller Mastery program are in this phase where they just step over and back and over and back in and out of this phase. They build up their team, they handle the clients, and then the team members leave and they're back on the floor, backwards and forward and backwards and forward. Yes, speaking to you, Karen. <laughs> Maybe you've been there too. Hey, I've been there. 
Um, and so we need to work out how we can future-proof our team so we can stay in the operator phase. Um, but when we're, sorry, stay in the CEO phase, my bad. The challenge in the CEO phase is that we often get stuck in operations. Eight team members, you start to have over eight team members, then the average manager can effectively manage seven or eight people on their own. And then what worked in the operator phase or in the manager phase does not work in the CEO phase. So we need to nail that. And what will hold us back from really stepping into the million-dollar business is um, you being stuck in operations. So we need to grow the business so it works without you. You need to get out of operational uh, management. We need to build a management team in this phase. Um, so your focus then becomes scale, review, and refining. Does that make sense? So I'm really keen to know what stage are you in? Karen, what stage are you? Would really love to know. Um, Joanne, Sandra, what stage are you in? Um, it, it's kind of useful, right? Uh, Sasha, Amy, where are you at? Oh, Benjamin, um, I would love to know. All right, once you know what phase you're in, then you can kind of understand where the roadblocks are. And now we can start talking about working on our business instead of just in our business. So as we open up the conversation of working on a business, not in the business, I want to turn your attention to some research I did uh, a couple of years ago inside my salon mastery uh, program. I wanted to sanity check my own experience with the other salons in my salon mastery program. We've been working together a couple of years and um, I wanted to know, like, is my experience consistent with that? So I investigated the relationship and I did some deep research on the hours that owners work with clients and the hours that they work on growing the business and how that impacted business growth and, and income, of course, the financial impact that it has on the business. Because what it boils down to, in my mind anyway, at that point was um, we that there's a direct correlation. So I want to take you through that. While you're typing that in, I would love, I just want to take you through this research that I did because um, what I discovered is for the salon owners that were working with clients 40 hours on the floor or more, the average of all of those business owners that had a business that that's, were working on the floor, the average of their income was $308,000 a year. Then I looked at the group of owners that were working around 30 hours on the floor, which meant that they had about 10 hours um, to work on the business. And those that were 40 hours plus on the floor, when were they working on the business? In bed on their laptop at 11 o'clock at night and on Sunday nights. So uh, the, those that were working with clients 30 hours, 10 hours on the business, the average of that group of their annual turnover was $415,000 a year. Then I looked at the group that had 20, that were working 20 hours or less on clients, which meant that they had up to 20 hours to work on the business and their combined average income was $518,000 a year. Now, for those business owners that was zero time with clients, up to 10 hours, the average of that group was $765,000 a year. So what does that tell you? I, I would love to know, what did you hear from that? What did you learn from that? What is your observation? The observation is it takes time to work on the business to grow the business. I want to introduce you to um, one of my favourite owners that I work with. We've been working together a couple of years now. When I met Melinda on our first call, we cried. We cried together. 
Um, business was way overwhelming. Uh, her team were a little bit rogue. She had two young kids. She was 40 hours on the floor. She was the primary income owner. Um, the rest of the team were just kind of peripheral trying to fit in. She was way overwhelmed. The business kids and, and stuff, she was working on the business once the kids were in bed. Now, as a smart CEO, she's doubled her sales. I think when we got we got together, she was doing 8K a week. Primarily, she was bringing in that income. She now does 16K a week. Uh, that's her average. We track averages together. That's her average, not just one week out of however many. That's her average. So she's doubled her sales. And I just want you to note, she's got the same size team as she had back then. And she is 100% off the floor. She's 100% working on her business. Um, she does the odd client, but not because she has to or because the business relies on her to do so, because she actually just every now and then likes to do a client you know, get your hand in and have a little bit of fun. So she told us she's now more confident and feels like she's in the driver's seat of her business and she's actually working on her business actively. Um, I want to introduce you to another uh, owner that I work with, Michelle. We actually met each other at an awards night. I was receiving, we were both receiving an award in London years ago. So we'd met each other uh, then. But um, when she joined Salon Mastery, she had a new salon location. She'd just moved. She had a great business, but she knew she needed to do something a little bit different, squeeze a little bit of extra outside of the business. And, and she knew that it was more there. So that was 12 months ago. In 12 months, she's doubled her sales from 13,000 to 21,000. That change uh, in the last 12 months has come from the same number of team members. Now, Michelle, on the other hand, um, still wants to work on clients. And she works uh, about 40% of the time. But she was working fully on the floors. Now she works about 40% of the time on the floor, but she's doing it because she chooses to, not because the business relies on her and she's ready to em employ a full salon manager because she actually wants to stay at seven clients because she loves it. Um, but the difference now is that she has choice to work on the right things and she can delegate the rest. She's fully in the CEO mode. She's over the million dollar mark um, and that's given her the confidence to do that. So what I want to do now is look at the difference between the working on what's working on and what's working in. Does that make sense? Um, because if that's the case, if the difference is working in and on and working on the right things at the right time for the right stage of business, then the focus needs to be um, where we put our time, right? Um, investing and working in and on and getting that balance right because it impacts your ability to grow the business. So let's pay a little bit of attention to where that is. The more time you work on the business means probably that there's less time available for clients. But the more time you're working on clients means that there's definitely less time to work on the big rocks that you need to shift, the rocks that need to happen at the right stage and phase of business. Does that make sense? So what the heck are these rocks? What is in and what is that? What is... What is in, what is on? So let me break it down a little bit for you guys. Um, working on the business. Um, being strategic, going and getting help from people that have been there and done that before. Showing up to, to uh, this comes from my masterclass inside of Seller Mastery. So um, we put a lot of emphasis on that driving the business uh, business drivers, showing up to workshops. The people that get the best results inside of Seller Mastery are the ones that show up and do the work, right? Showing up to do the strategic work. So that's Seller Mastery, big rocks. 
Now, in Salon Mastery, we do two monthly game plans, strategic planning. We used to do quarterly planning. There's a long story why we do two, two monthly planning now, but actually having a plan, a strategic plan about what we're going to work on next, making sure that it's a good balance of uh, working on the business to grow and also to make it better. So we have one strategy to grow the business, one strategy to make the business work better. That is a game plan, and those are the big rocks that we put on every two months. Installing and optimising babies. We, might, we, we can't continue to do the babies ourselves all the way up to the million-dollar mark, but we need to have a plan around that. Um, IGA CEO, what the heck is that? Income-generating activity that the CEO should be doing is working on the business. So marketing campaigns, um, training and workshops with your team, management team, working with your management team to grow the things that are going to get growth out of your business. That's working on your business. Working in your business, we talked about babies before, uh, babies need to be fed, we need to pack the baby and calm the baby and put the baby to bed. Um, and at some point, you, you need to do the babies, but at some point to get the growth, you're going to need a manager in place to run the babies. Um, clients is working in the business, of course. For those CEOs that choose to continue to do clients because they love it, then we want to make sure that we're working on the right clients and we're only serving five-star clients on our terms. And then last but not least is income generating activity for our team. Are we running daily huddles? Are we doing one-on-ones, team meetings, white space promotions, things that are going to move the needle for them so they can grow and succeed? So my question to you is, are you working in or on your business? And if you're working in your business, who's running it? Who is running your business if you're working in your business? It's a good question. So if we've talked about the big rocks, the big strategies that move the needle, prioritizing those, we've talked about doing the right rocks at the right stage of business, and we've talked about making space to work on the business, not just in the business, then the last thing we want to talk about is creating CEO time. The time, we need to prioritize the time for the CEO to do the right work. Does that make sense? I want to show you this because this is what most owners Appointment calendars look like when I meet them first, when they come to sell or mastery and we have a look at the appointment book, it looks like this, a mess. <laughs> it's everywhere, all over the shop. And so salon owners say to me, oh, but I have Mondays off. Um, no, you don't. You're ticking, you're, you're tricking yourself. You're ticking all of the things and you're working on the stuff that flows into a Monday, but then you quietly are resentful because you're working on your day off. And so your family kind of tends to suffer Salon owners say to me, I'm doing all the things. Why are the things not sticking? And I kind of say, because you're doing all of the things. You're doing one, you're doing everything yourself. So nothing gets a chance. And you're so busy doing all of the things all over the place that you're only doing the things at 60% effectiveness. So nothing sticks. And they say to me, oh, but, oh, but I'm fully booked for clients. But if you're running your business and growing your business in the 15-minute gaps between clients and in the cancellation spaces, you're not running your business. And if you're not running a business, then the question is, who is? Maybe it's nobody. This is what leaves you feeling overwhelmed, overtired until you're over it and you just want to sell and get the hell out. I know I wanted to sell my business five times and it wasn't because I was moving on to something greater, you know, over the fence and greener. Um, in those moments, it's because like, fuck, this is hard. Let me out. We're letting the busyness dictate our future. So I want you to do this. Here's a little exercise. Hey, in... In the worksheet that I gave you, uh, I've taken this. I've taken you through the step by step, so you can go and look and review this 
um, which I want you to do. Come along with me. Um, because what I, one of the exercises that I want you to do is to go back over the last four weeks and have a look how much, like what has been the status of your appointment book? Because your appointment book is actually where it starts. This is what drives your business forward or not, as the case may be. So I want you to get a handle on when are you doing CEO time. So go and do that exercise. And of the six, I took you through six, three working on the business, three working in the business, where are you spending your time? I want to do a quick recap around uh, some of the things that we've talked about today, stages and phases, what what the size of our team, uh, sales income, and how that relates directly to the amount of time that we spend working in and on our business. And so we talked about the CEO, uh, sorry, the the operator phase um, and how the focus is to grow clients for the brand, not for the owner. And now typically um, operators are in the sort of $30,000 a month or less phase. Now, give or take, depending on where you are in the world or what um, state that you're in, et cetera. But typically, adjust dollars as needed. But for the majority of the owners that I work with, that's pretty true and pretty accurate. You're in the two to four team members and you're sort of in the 30 to 40 hours a week on the floor, typically. The manager's phase is the $30,000 plus. The team is up to eight team members. Um, and really, if you want to be effective in this stage, we need to be, you know, if you still love doing clients, 2020. Now, I know some people are off clients completely because they've got a young family or they're completely on and they've got a manager and all of the things. But to work on your business around 50% of the time is kind of where it's at if you want to survive um, the management phase the manager phase and you really have to be 10 hours or less on the floor if you want to nail the CEO phase and get to the million dollar mark so smart CEOs increase sales actually by working less we want to move the needle by working on the right things uh, and work on work on the right big rocks that move the needle in your business at the right time um so Managing your time and what you do in that time and taking control of that is really where it starts. Um, I like this analogy of um, a a business owner being the guy, you know those old-fashioned, I always think of Captain Hook, the old-fashioned boats, you know, the wooden boats and they've got the big sails and in those days they were explorers and they're out in open water. Um, I think running a business is a little bit like that and the CEO needs to be the guy that climbs right up the mast with the binoculars. And the CEO's job is to look out uh, at new territory and direction and decide where the ship is going to go. So if that's the case, who's on, who's driving the boat and who's down in the coal room shoveling the coal? Like these are all important jobs. Um, and you need to be really intentional about it. But how often you can get up the mast is going to make the difference in where you go and how many rocks you crash into. If you don't go up the mast, you crash into the rocks all the time. And I see too many owners crashing into too many rocks all of the time. So I think to be a smart, effective CEO, you actually need to do less doing and more thinking. And it's the thinking time and the ability to get away from the business and step out gives us perspective. It's a bit like getting out of your own goldfish bowl when you swing round and round and round inside your own goldfish bowl. You can't see what needs to be done or even what stage you're in or even what the roadblocks are or the, or the big rocks that you should be working on. 
So we need to be able to have perspective so we can lead our team to do the right things at the right time as well. Doesn't mean that you're not working on your business. I'm not saying don't, you know, don't work in your business and go and sit on the beach in Fiji, even though that's nice too. You've got to have a little bit of that. Actually, can I rephrase it? I love the idea of sitting on the beach in a Fiji because it's that white space that gives us the perspective. I'm just not saying do that, you know, 52 weeks of the year. You've got to be able to do that. Um, We want to be leading our team, not pushing shit at home. And that's a wrap. Now, I wonder, what was your number one takeaway from doing that with me or stepping through that? Because I know these steps will help you create space to drive momentum. Because when you stop doing the busy work and do the strategic work, things will fall into place. The next time a team member needs you, a client wants you, or a shiny object flashes in your direction, be a little intentional about your next move and pay a little attention to where and how you invest your time. So if you're interested in transitioning off the floor, even just a few hours a week to make space for your business to grow, I can help. All you need to do is to click the Apply Now button in the show notes of this episode and let's see if Salon Mastery is the right fit for you. Otherwise, that's it. Ciao for now and I'll see you same time, same place next week on the podcast. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner Salon CEO and master your Salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.